0: Hi, this is Corey Turner and along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message.
1: Come on, is there anybody here who loves
0: Jesus in this room?
1: If you're here, you have permission to lift your voice, to lift your hands. declare the goodness of your God God we bless you this is a house of miracles and today dead things come alive because you are in the room in Jesus name we pray father we thank you God for this incredible house thank you for the history and its heritage but Lord we're so grateful for the destiny and the future God we thankful Lord, that today as we gather on this Sunday in March in 2021, we're completely aware that in this moment, in this time, God, I pray that we would not lose sight of the fact that You are still in charge. You are still building Your church. And God, You are doing the heavy lifting. We get to be part of this miracle because, God, You are doing what only You can do. And Father, I pray for the newcomer, the one who's just decided to attend today, right through to the disciples that have followed for decades. Lord, let your Word bring light and life. Let it awaken. Let it revive. Let it stir. Let it equip. Let it empower in, in just the way that it can. Let one generic Word have multiple hundreds of unique, specific applications. Let us hear not my Word, but your voice. Let them not just hear, uh, Lord, my voice, but your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen simply means let it be. Look at your neighbour, the one you like more, and just smile at him, hug them, give him a five, elbow, whatever's appropriate. Don't injure them. You may take your seats. You know, I love your pastors. Corey and Simone are two of the best. You know this church is deeply loved because God gave you the best. Can anyone say amen in this house? Um, um, as Pastor Corey was alluding to, Uh, Our journey has been going for about 15 years, and it's been somewhat of a miracle, but your pastor has been a part of that miracle. When we met, and I'm genuinely trying to rack my brain as to when is the first time we met. I must be seven, eight years maybe, and I'm not sure how, but we did. And as you well know, maybe you don't if you're new, he brought such a weight of grace because of the gift on his life and literally spoke such prophetic declarations, many of which have come to pass in our church, in our time. So you cannot help but be aware that the soil you're standing in is not just 95 years of incredible anointed history, but God has brought the couple, the apostolic and prophetic, and this incredible team, incredible team, for such a time as this. And if you have no idea what I just said, just hang in for the ride, and it'll all make sense in the next decade. Um, I was born in Singapore, grew up in Malaysia, Indian origin, Aussie citizen, which makes me as confused as most of you in this room. And I married a half Kiwi, half Aussie, slightly Arab, blonde, who sounds like an American, which makes her like half of you in this room. So we both grew up with major identity issues, and we got married. We got two boys. Don't ask me what on earth they are. They're just good-looking young men, and uh, 12 and 8. And it's a privilege to be in Melbourne to be on my second flight in 367 days. But who's counting? Oh, there's my family. Oh, there you go. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's only been, you know, here's the context. The last 10 years, I was telling Pastor Corey this last night, the last decade with our church, we've been living between Malaysia and Perth is the long, is the short version. The longest I've ever been in one city in the last decade was 20, 22 days for 10 years. And so for 367 days, but who's counting, we've been stuck in the one city. And so now the good news is those two boys call me Dad. They recognise me. Uh, it's you know. One of them had a bit of a breakdown when I got on the plane again. They're like, "Are you leaving us again?" I mean, we don't have time for the stories, but they are absolute non-stop sermon material. Uh, that's all I'll say about them. Um, but uh, my lovely wife sends her greetings as well, and she has fond memories of this house. We we dearly love your pastors and the team. And look, honestly without just being nice for the sake of being nice, there is such a sense of the grace of God on this. If you're new, just welcome. Enjoy the journey. There's Tim Tams in the foyer. There might not be. I'm just declaring. (laughs) Enjoy the coffee, connect in. Here's the thing about a journey. Hang in long enough until it makes sense. Keep going. You know, you're like, I don't understand everything, but something made sense that day. It just felt right. And some of us have have been on the journey for a long time, and yet there's a weight of what God is doing in terms of the prayer, the presence, and it's, it's all adding and heading in a direction, and it's just my heart to just add uh, another thread to that line of what God is doing. John 21 is the scripture, and we'll just see where this leads. The passage I'm reading, the context is Jesus died, he rose from the dead, but the disciples didn't know that. They're a bit disoriented. They lived through their own... COVID 2020, didn't know what the future was. And Simon Peter says, I'm going fishing, verse 3. They said to him, we're going with you also. There's 11 now because one ended, expired. They went out and immediately got into the boat. That night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. The next verse goes on to say, Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now because they were not able, now they were not able to draw it in. I I find this fascinating because it says they were not able to catch any fish just a few verses earlier. Now they're not able again, but now it's because there's too many fish. I don't know if you've ever been through a season in your life where there was nothing going on and you felt unable. And then there's too much in your life and you're unable. But either way, it's important to understand whether you feel barren or overloaded, we're always reliant on the grace of God. We're always unable without God. And, and that is a beautiful thing because today I want to pray for people who feel barren, who feel dry, who feel empty. But I also want to pray for people who feel drowning and overloading. And God, I have too much going on and I don't know what to do. It reminds me of a testimony that I heard a couple of years ago from our church in Botswana. Our pastor remember telling me the story and I cracked up laughing because well, it'll make sense when I tell you the story. There's a gentleman in the church in Botswana came forward for prayer. Uh, like you guys do, you open up the front of the building and pastor prayed for him. Said, so what's your need? He said, well, I have a production business, but there's no business. I'm going broke. This thing's not working. Prayed for him. Went back to his seat. About five weeks later, four or five weeks later, uh, he comes forward again, and the pastor remembered the prayer from a month earlier and thought, oh, poor guy, I must still be struggling. He said, you still need prayer for your business? And he said, yeah. He goes, oh, nothing's come in. He goes, no, no, since the last prayer, so much has come in, and now I'm struggling, and I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make it. You know, it's a good thing to know that you've got to run, run to the front whether there's nothing going on or too much going on. And that's what the disciples find themselves in in John 21. They're not able to catch fish, and now they're unable to catch all the fish because there's too many fish. And God is in both your lack and your plenty. And his grace is sufficient for you. That's where we find ourselves. The next verse goes on to say this. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord, deja vu. Now, when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on the outer garment. You know, John and Peter, we'll get to that in a minute. They, he, 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 remo- he removes the garment, but he puts it on because maybe he thought he was going to walk on water again. He plunged into the sea. And the other disciples, someone say other disciples. Come on, look here. let's say other disciples. Anyone feel like an other disciple? There's Peter and there's John, and then there's the other disciples. I mean, John is the favorite. Let's just not even pretend. He does, he's so well loved, he doesn't even have to use his name. He goes, the disciple whom Jesus loved. If you know you were the favorite in your family, just give me a wave. Okay, a few, few orphan issues ministry. Oh, a couple of very <laughs> proud people there. Yeah, if John, if John is the favorite, Peter is the, is the featured disciple. He's always in the action. I don't know if you relate more to John or to Peter. The truth is most of us relate to just the other disciples. Peter's the guy, he, he pronounces Jesus as Christ, gets celebrated, you're the rock. Next minute, you're the devil. You know, one minute, he's cutting off ears. One minute, he's walking on water. Next minute, he's denying Christ. He's getting restored, given the mic for the early Testament church. It's just, a, it's never boring with Peter. And we, so there's the favorite and the featured. And it's like, I don't know which one you relate to, but most people relate to the other disciples. Thank God for the other disciples John's celebrating his prophetic discernment. Peter's swimming to Jesus. And the other disciples drag the net with fish. How many realize if not for the other disciples, the miracle doesn't happen? I mean, it's great to have all these amazing people on stage. But thank God for the other disciples in the foyer, in the kids' ministry, in the car park. Thank God for the other disciples who drag the net of fish. Because if not for the other disciples... You know, have you ever been to one of those things where they give you a Bible quiz, name the disciples? It's like, oh, name the 12 disciples, Peter, John. Oh, no, there's a tax collector in there. Judas, Thomas. They're either known for betrayal, doubt, or Peter and John not even named, the rest of them. You know, you might feel like an unnamed disciple today, but don't see yourself as an other disciple. See yourself as an other disciple. You get to be part of a miracle. God has drafted you. God has called you. You're in the boat for such a time as this, and you matter to God. And thank God for you, because the other disciples drag the net with fish. And as soon as they come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it. Which is pretty disheartening, because they just dragged a lot of fish on, and they see fish. Jesus said, bring some of the fish which you slash me have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Other version says, and the nets were strained, but they did not break. The nets were strained, but they did not break. And there's two miracles here that I want to touch on briefly because I feel a prophetic weight around this house as to what God is doing that you are now invited and included into. You know, whenever a preacher gets up and starts talking about, I've got a word for this house or something, he's not talking about a constitution or a board or just the lead couple. Or He's talking, if it's on this house, it's on your house. The house is not a thing, it's you. You and I are living stones, we're fitted together. We're a group of other disciples on this journey in this boat. And whether you're dragging the net with fish or whether you're the Peter swimming, whether you're the John, I don't know which one you relate to, but we're all part of this miracle. And the miracle here, the obvious miracle, the the clearly stated miracle is zero fish becomes 153 fish. Nothing to everything. Thank God he is still able to do that. I'm so grateful for process and management in leadership, and structure, and strategy, but God is still the one who can take barren and make it overflowing in a minute. If you need a miracle today, can be your day, because he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the one who can do supernatural things in a moment. That is who your God is. You don't just serve a God of process, you serve a God of power, and this God of power can do anything. It's beyond your ability and my ability. Ephesians 3.20 says, able to do exceedingly abundantly above, beyond what all you could ask, think, or imagine. And this miracle is easy, it's obvious, and it's celebrated. Maybe some of you needing the miracle, but I want you to notice what triggered the miracle. It was obedience. Cast your net onto the other side. <sighs> More advice from social media. All the trolls who think they know how to do my fishing job better than me. Cast your net to that, And yet, at the same time, there was a deja vu moment. Maybe some of you have heard the voice of God before and you thought, oh, not, not again, I'm not, I'm not doing it again. I've given already, I've served already, I've been a part of this thing long enough. And yet you don't know what your obedience would trigger. Everybody read the sentence again and say, my obedience triggers the miraculous. See, God is hardwired the supernatural in childlike trust. And if you and I would just say yes to whatever he's put in front of us, and sometimes it seems innocuous. Do you notice that often in in business or ministry, we're looking for strategic suggestions? And God does not give you strategic moves. He just gives you moves. It's strategic in the sense that the obedience will trigger the miraculous, but it's to confound logic because he will say, I want you to sow into this year's vision offering. Uh, yeah, but Lord, I sowed enough and it's 2020 and, you know, JobKeeper's run out and, uh, you know, I spent all my money on masks for my extended family. And uh, you can you, you come up with all sorts of reasons as to why. If you just say yes and obey, you'd be shocked. And I'm not here to declare that you get it. This is what's going to happen to your bank. I'm not here to do that. But you'd be amazed. All of a sudden, some loved one who was far from God suddenly comes back and you're like, how did that happen? And, and don't try and join the dots. Don't go, well, if I gave. Don't, don't make God a, a vending machine that you, you slot some money. That's not who he is. He's just looking for obedience. Yeah, yeah. I've got, got, got needs for my physical body, Lord. I need you to heal me. And then you, you said to the Lord, say, write a letter to your in-law and just tell them you forgive them for what's that got to do with anything. Just do that, and suddenly you get healed, and you wonder, what's that? Don't try and work it out. Yeah. Just simply obey This journey of following God is just about finding what's in front of you and just doing the simple things and let God take zero and make it 153. There's something about childlike obedience that some of you will unlock your next miracle. You're waiting for something supernatural, something dynamic, or even something, dare I say it, strategic. This Botswana production guy that I was telling you about, what I didn't tell you was when he went back, he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, start serving the house. And he thought, oh, I suppose I've got nothing else to do. I've got no clients. He started serving the house. And it's not like in serving the house, he made some networks or some connections. He just obeyed God. When you obey God, casting. And God didn't say anything dramatic. You know, most of us would be like, man, there's no fish here. Time to go to a new church. Time to go to a new ministry. They don't appreciate my gift here. He didn't say get a new lake, get a new boat, sack the crew, get a new fish. He literally just, a small change produced a significant harvest because that's the way God is. What is so simple that he's asked you to do that is literally the trigger for what is about to happen? That's why one of the things I love about your pastors is... One of the messages I know that Pastor Corey's spoken before uh, that that's, that impacted our life is, and as a, a as a prophetic voice, it's not just to prophesy; it's to teach you to hear God. Yeah. When you can hear the voice of God, you have now access to the instructions that'll open the miraculous into your life, and you can feel the empowerment of this house. And the weight of what God is doing is so real and so significant. But maybe some of us, this is the word for you. You just need to decide, God, I'm going to follow through. Everything I've heard, maybe it's to support someone. Maybe it's to serve someone. Maybe it's to go somewhere. Whatever it looks like, your obedience will unlock your miracle. You know, um, the second miracle is probably hard to see because... What other miracle was there? They couldn't fish, 153 fish. The second miracle is a lot more subtle. It's in fact that the last line we read. It said the net was full, but it didn't break. The nets were strained, another version, but they didn't snap. Thank God, I'm grateful for the supernatural and the m- overflow but I'm grateful also for the times He's held me together. He's held my life together. He's held my relationships together. He's held my marriage together. He's held my family together. In the times where I felt strained. Anyone ever been through seasons where you felt strained, but you felt sustained? You're still here because the grace of God kept you. Nobody can recognize it spectacularly. It doesn't look like zero to 153, but you know you are still here today in March 2021 because of the grace of God that carried you through 2020 that carried you through seasons, and it's a miracle that doesn't get much attention on the screen, but it's the sustaining grace of God, and thank God for His sustaining grace, because without it, we wouldn't even be here today. Is there anyone grateful for seasons in their life where God has done things, but others don't recognize it, but you knew you were this close to quitting, to divorce, to bankruptcy, to breakdown, and you might have even gone there, but the truth is you're still here today because God has carried you through every season. That is a miracle. And I'll tell you why that's a miracle. Because if the second miracle doesn't happen, the first miracle is lost. What's the first miracle? The incredible catch of fish. But if God does not hold the net together, that first miracle is lost. What's the point of God answering all your prayers only for you to not be able to carry what He's now given you? Which leads me to the obvious conclusion that God knows my capacity which is why he'll only answer some prayers to some extent. And we think, God, why aren't you answering me? He goes, no, no, I am. But I love you so much that I don't want to kill you with the miracle. Some people have given me all sorts of explanations as to why I was 153 fish, and they're probably right. But my simple answer is the 154th fish would have broken the net. God knows how much he can handle. Here's a scripture that makes it sound better. He will not pour new wine into old wineskin because he doesn't want the wine spilled or the vessel killed. You're asking him for things and he knows better than I know than you know what exactly we have. So the real prayer we should pray is God, enlarge my capacity. Help me to become the person who can handle the prayers that I'm praying you know, he says even in relation to temptation, he'll never allow you to go through more than you can handle. He knows what our capacity is. He won't pour more oil than there are jars to carry it. And so this is a season for Numa Church for you where God is stretching your capacity and building your capacity because there's you're standing on the shoulders of 95 years of prayer and you're in the midst of an acceleration and a move and a breath. It's not it's not just prophetically named. It's a declaration as to what God is only doing and He's going to do. But how many realize that the, the, the amount of fish that he doesn't want to break, he doesn't want, to, he doesn't want this thing ruined. He wants you to be able to carry what he's about to pour into your life. And, and, and that is a sobering thought because the prayer needs to keep going, but the stretching needs to keep happening too. I guess if I had a title, I even bought a jacket for the day. Building the nets for revival is probably what I'm trying to say. That God is building the net. The second miracle is happening right now as we speak. We pray for the first miracle, but God is doing the second miracle because He doesn't want the answer to kill you. I want to remember, I remember thinking, God, I want to be married at the age of 22. I got married at 32. It wasn't that God didn't hear my prayer, He probably said, Son, you don't understand what I have for you. I'm going to need you to get some capacity because there'll be a murder otherwise, one way or the other. And thank God he only answers, I trust him, that even though I ask him for the world, he knows what my world is and what my world can handle. God, I want, you know, I can imagine business people going, God, please give us millions. Lord, bless my business with billions for your glory, for your kingdom, Lord. That's all I'm thinking about. Not the boat and the yara or anything else, but Lord, just for your glory. And you can imagine the, the divine conversation going, he's asking for millions again. He's asking for hundreds, what should we do? Yeah, no, I don't know, if we give him that, we know we'll never see him again. <laughs> He'll be watching online from the Yarra. I don't know why that's coming to me a lot today. But, you know, well, so let, we, don't want it, we don't want him to lose his way or his walk. So <laughs> let's see how he goes. He's asking for millions. Let's give him 153 because we know his net can handle 153 rupees and let's see how he goes with that and as we stretch his character and his capacity we'll see how he goes with millions here's the principle everybody the stronger the net the greater the catch so we should never stop praying the question is what are the prayers we should be praying Father, enlarge my capacity. Enlarge, what is it that you're believing for that you feel God isn't answering, but maybe he loves you too much to kill you with the answer? Like, oh, so what do I do with that? He's building you. He's building us. He's stretching the, you know, when I walk into this house, which I've been here, been blessed to be here a few times, it feels familiar. It feels there's a, there, there 's the seed of of global impact and God wanting to send the diversity that's represented in this room into parts and spaces. And it's not a chance you're here. It's not a coincidence you're here. It's not it's not happenstance that brought you into the room. It's not just that your last church was terrible. It was genuinely a divine orchestration of God for this season, for this time, because you are about to walk into spaces and places that you were always destined to walk into. It's got that feel. But despite the fact that we could pray for nations and thousands and millions, God is saying, okay, can I trust this net with the kind of prayer that they are praying. And so really, the pragmatic side of that is not just practical. It is still prophetic. It is still powerful. It is still prayerful. But it's, God, enlarge my capacity. In fact, if you're a, a leader in business or whatever you're believing for, you should be saying, God, enlarge my capacity so I can handle the answer that you're giving me. Because, God, I thank you. Even though my nets are strained, it will not break. Even though it's stretched, it will be sustained. And I thank you that you can trust me with what you're about to bring. You know, I remember... Uh, I worked as a lawyer for five years. I worked in ministry for three years, wanted to quit, got disillusioned. My own issues came to the surface, and I thought, I'm disqualified, I'm done. I had an encounter with God. He says, go to Malaysia, plant a church. I'm thinking, are you crazy? I'm not qualified, and I sell my house, but it was such an encounter. It was so overwhelming. I bought a one-way ticket, went to... An Islamic country without a visa to start a church. There's the only two pictures from the very first meeting when I turned up. Now, you're like, how did you know? Did you know anyone? It was just me. I was single. I didn't have to ask for permission. I turned up, and I knew a friend. His name was Jai. He's now a pastor in Dubai. And um, he, um, I said to him, do you have any friends? Uh, he goes, yeah, I've got a friend with an apartment. I said, just invite anybody. Tell them I'll buy them noodles. And, uh, and uh, it's allowed in Malaysia, that sort of uh, incentives, we call them. Um and, and so, I don't know who these people were, but these are the, sadly the only two pictures. It looks like the 1970s. We just had no good phones. It's 2006, April. That's me sitting in a chair. I was tired already, first service. And, um, you know, those people who look on the right look like they're under arrest. They just wanted noodles. They came because someone promised some noodles. But I was so on fire for God. I'm like, this, this is going to be amazing. And they're like, who are you and where did you come from? They're curious as to why I quit law because that's, that's not a normal thing to do and why you'd leave Australia to go to Malaysia. Nobody leaves Australia to go to Malaysia. Everybody leaves Malaysia to come to Australia. But nobody. So they're curious as to what brings this guy here. And, and I'm sharing. And you know what I'm ter- preaching from that in that picture? John 21. Not this message a much more probably less funny, dramatic, you know, just simple message about, and I remember saying to them, one day we're gonna have hundred people in this church. And you can tell these guys just staring at me like, we just came for the noodles. Where's the noodles? And um and and I but I was so on fire, I just my zeal probably took me beyond where I what was really smart or whatever. And and so you can tell they were looking at me. And and you know next week hundred people didn't come. Thank God. We wouldn't have known what to do with them. We were no, I mean, they're like, I'm like, I just said to one of the guys, I remember the guy with the, little, you know, the guy closest to the right hand side, I said, you're in charge of new people. And he looked at me and goes, uh, I'm new. <laughs> I said, congratulations, you're qualified. <laughs> like, it was just a circus. Church planning is a circus. It was it was just a crazy, 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 crazy adventure. But thank God He didn't answer all my prayers. I'm mean, just before COVID. We we now in 12 different countries. On average, between four to 500 new people now walk in through the doors every week. New people. I don't think it wasn't God's heart to have four to 500 people walk in the next week. He just knew what we could handle. So He said, "Take care of these two. Let's see how you go with two people." Can you can you love that one neighbor before I give you the world? Can can, can I trust you to obey my voice to to give, to sow, to serve before and 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 really the stewardship journey is something that I've learned as we've grown. You know, if I were to reduce the, the 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 real question that we should all be asking is God, how does my capacity increase so that I can handle what you've asked me to, what what I'm asking you for? there's two simple factors. It's, it's, it's your willingness to connect and your willingness to carry. You know, if you're a business person and you feel limited, connect with bigger thinkers. Connect with people who will expand your thinking. Your, you will grow to the degree you are connected. And connection isn't a networking thing or some green room where you hand out cards and you look all slick and click. It, this, this, this is talking about the simple fact that God said one puts 1,000, two puts 10,000, and that your capacity is connected to your connectivity. This is not a room of random individual Christians. Your walk with God is personal, but it was never intended to be private. You're sitting next to the family of God, and you might not know them, but your job is to be part of a net. Can you imagine if 11 guys went fishing with a single line and they caught nothing? Jesus turns up and 11 fishermen are standing out of their boat. with 11. He said, Fish! Leaven is the maximum they could have caught in one moment because individual lions could only catch one at a time. But thankfully, they had a net. What would happen if we traded our individual fishing lines and said, come on, whatever we need, let's be a part of what God is doing at Numa. Let's trade our individualism and our own ideas and our own agendas and be part of this apostolic move. Lord, build and he's weaving something that is not only rich in history, but rich in destiny. And if we would just hand our lines in, because every one of us has a bent just to wanna to do our own thing, but yet God wants to do a bigger thing. And because there was a net, 153 was, potential, was possible. 11 would have only been possible unless all the threads were connected. You might be in the room, but the question I'm asking is, are you connected? Well, I go to a life group sometimes. I'm pretty faithful when I turn up here. Here's the real challenge. You're, you're only as connected as you are vulnerable. You're only as connected as you are invested. And I want to stir you on the back of everything you've heard over the last month. I'm the guest. I'm coming and I'm going. But listen, by the way, I've got the numerous stuff, so I'm part of the team here. Don't judge me. I want to encourage you that I feel like I'm in familiar territory because what God has done with us, he's doing here again and with heritage and history. Who knows the limit and the potential, but it comes down to a willingness to lay down our individual fishing lines and be part of a divine thread. God, whatever this looks like, come up to your pastors and say, hey, listen, this is who I am. What can I do to be a part of this net? And I can promise you it'll be absolutely incredible. There's an old African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone but if you want to go far, go together. We're called to run this race and make it till the end. Do you know how I used to read the verse in Romans and get discouraged? Let those of us who are strong lift up them that are weak. And I thought, oh man, Jesus, I hope I'm in the strong category. I don't want to be the weak guy. And I realized that strong and weak, let those of us who are strong lift up them that are weak. It's not two sort of groups of people. Strong and weak aren't labels on your life, it's seasons in your life. And there are seasons I'm strong and you're weak and i got to lift you up. But there's seasons I'm weak and you're strong and you got to lift me up. Let those of us who are in a season of strength lift up those of us who are in a season of weakness. That's the joy of together. When we're together, when we're connected, we can go further, we can go, we can go through greater storms, we can survive the craziness of stuff we've been through when we're not doing it alone. There's more sermons on isolation than I can even imagine, but I know you understand that, but this is really the invitation because people think connection is often about company, but it's about capacity. Some people miss that. Connection is not about company, it's about capacity. Connection isn't about... Camaraderie, it's about capacity. Who you're connected to determines the extent to which God can trust you and grow you. That is the most important thing you can understand about connectivity. It's not just for for, for connection's sake, it's for capacity's sake. So if you want to increase your capacity, increase your connectivity. Three guys in the fire probably did better because they were together. What if three guys walked out with Peter? Peter. On water, Maybe they would have done better, apart from Judas and Thomas. (laughs) Do you know, um, the the other side that I think God is staring in this season is he's not... See, he he wants to breathe afresh on your life, but don't run this race alone. Join hearts at a whole new level, and God will entrust Numa with more than he's ever entrusted with you before. And you've always been willing, but always with conditions, just connect unconditionally. Connect unconditionally. That's the word for somebody that just, you're on the edge and the precipice and you get one fish here and there, but as a part of this divine net, God is going to add more and more. But then even when I talk about the ability to carry, some of you feel like the other disciples. Oh, it's so good. We're the ones dragging the net. Everybody, you know, and yet, 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 you've got to understand God has asked for laborers. You know, there's a scene in Matthew where he sees the sheep scattered without a shepherd. He has compassion on them. He ministers. He moves mightily. And he says, pray for workers. They don't have a shepherd. He didn't say pray for shepherds. He said pray for workers. They're like sheep without a shepherd, but he didn't say pray for shepherds. He said pray for workers. And I can only take that to mean one of two things. God, bring more people into the house that will work or bring those who are already in the house and let them shift to those just being in the house to those who actually work in the house. But either way, we need more laborers. We we don't need more wokers. We need more workers. We need more people who put their hand to the net and say, come on, God, we will take, Lord, thank you for Peter. Thank you for John. But God, we want to be part of this miracle. And the idea that you can carry, that you can contribute is offensive to people. People are like, what? The church wants things from me. I've got over that a long time ago because I realized you're not asking for yourself. You're asking for the harvest that God wants to bring into the city. God wants to bring into this nation. God wants to bring into this world. It's a mindset. Every one of us was created with functionality. You might be senior and say, I can't really carry physically, but you could carry in, in maturity or in prayer. You could come along on the Wednesdays and say, God, we're going to stand together in prayer and we're going to believe God for a move of God that will shake Melbourne to its absolute roots and start an awakening that's never yet been seen before. You could say, well, um, but I'm a mom with kids. I can't really travel. Well, you could host a life group maybe. Maybe you're a student and you go, I don't have money to go. Well, I've got time. Maybe you're a business guy. You don't have time, but you got money. Every. Everybody can contribute something, and yet people still get offended at the idea, who is this crazy guest from the West deciding to tell us that we need to contribute? You know, I went to the lost and found counter once in an airport, Malaysia, and literally, my friend lost his wallet on the plane. And I went, and I rung the bell, ding, 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 ding. The lady looked at me very angrily. I said, my friend, he lost his wallet. You know what she did? <sighs> Shook her head in disgust, glared at him, and just sort of walked back into the office. I said, I'm sorry, I thought this was the lost and lost and found counter, isn't you work at the lost and found counter, and you're disgusted that I reported something that was lost. What is wrong with you? It's your job. I didn't say all that, I was thinking that. And she looked at me and it dawned on me, I said to my friend, I said, I, I just don't understand. And then it dawned on me that she probably likes the other half of a job. The found part lost and found. She would have been delighted if I brought a wallet in. Here's, you know, do your job for you. Here's all the things we found. But some of us are like that in the body of Christ. We, 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 we like the found part of the faith. Lord, I found my healing. I found my spouse. I found my testimony. I found my breath. But there's a whole lost side. There's a whole lost world. There's a whole lost city. And yet that's the other half. And yet we've got to carry and contribute, not just be carried and always the ones that receive. Freely you've received, now freely give. We feel unworthy. We feel unable, just like the paralyzed man. He was unworthy and unable. Jesus said, you're forgiven. You're healed. Dismissed his unworthiness and his disability. Healed and now able. The question was, was he willing? And he said, take up your mat and walk out of here. And he who was carried in became a carrier on the way out. If you want to grow your capacity, say, God, my gifts and talents are here. I'm ready to say yes and carry whatever you want me to carry. That is the function and the purpose for which you were made to be part of this divine net. Could you imagine if every thread in the net had a personality and one thread said, yeah, I love the connection of Numa, but don't make me do anything. A lazy thread in the net is a hole waiting to happen. And yet we're all meant to carry. You know, look at Pastor Corey and I. We look like twins. Why <laughs> are Okay, maybe not. But we represent the real body, muscle and fat. And in the body of Christ, are you muscle or fat? Because one's doing the heavy lifting. Okay, it's getting a little too abusive, so I'm going to tone it right down. Maybe keyboard Adrian man can come and help me. But here's the thing. When I pray... People say to me, "Isn't the church a hospital? Come on, you're a little harsh. It's a hospital. It's a hospital for the sick, but it's an unusual hospital because it's the only hospital where you go from, like, patient, not just to healed, but to physician." you go from carried to carrier you go from lame to leader you go from poor to philanthropist it's an unusual place because it's a place of transformation it's not just a place of restoration it's a place of activation it's a place of it's a place of transformation and god wants you to be influential and used in the areas that maybe the enemy tried to rob and kill you. See, when I pray for someone with a bad back, I'm not just praying, God, take away the pain from their spine. I'm praying, God, heal their back so much that they can lift again and carry what they couldn't carry before. When I'm praying for a couple that are fighting and on the verge of breakdown, I'm not saying, God... I pray they avoid the divorce courts, Lord. You see how horrible the statistics are, Lord. I pray they don't become. I'm not just praying prayers of God, don't let them fall off. I'm praying, God, heal this marriage to such an extent that they become marriage leaders. And Lord, they can minister to broken couples all over the world. God, I'm praying not just for their restoration, but for their transformation and their activation. When I'm praying for a business person who's broke and struggling, I'm not saying, God, I pray. Keep keep ASIC away from them, Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord I pray the tax man would just give them low interest for their deal. I'm not, oh God, look, keep bankrupt. No, I'm praying, God, return this thing so far around that this person becomes a blessing and can fund the work of the ministry. Why? Because that's who God is. He's not here just to, to, to cause you to be one who recovers. There are seasons where you need to be carried. But there are other seasons where you realize you're in this house because God has a plan and a purpose. Young, old, new. You might go, I haven't been here that long. You've been drafted into this incredible miracle. And God is saying, I'm going to give you 0 to 153. But the degree to which I want to bless you personally, corporately, is going to come down to your willingness to say yes. Do you know, um, I close with this. What if the 154th fish... What if the 154th fish was your loved one? And that's not meant to in any way be manipulative, but think about it. What if the capacity, limited by our willingness to connect and carry, meant that the 154th fish missed out? Who is the 154th fish that is waiting for you and I to say yes to connect and carry so that God could enlarge the net of Numa? Who's the 154th fish? That God wants in here, but He says, I'm not bringing it in here if it snaps the net. And the prayers and the weight of what God has done here has gone up like, like a fragrance. And I believe there is a desire of the Lord to pour out the answer to this dramatically, prophetically powerful global vision. And yet He's waiting on other disciples. You're not Peter, you're not John. I'm just another disciple. Can I encourage you today? Grab a hold of the net. Become a part of the net. And I don't know what that means for you. It's not meant to be heavy. It's meant to be a divine invitation to function, to purpose. And you might, you might feel, and this is where I want to close, you might feel like right now my life is barren. I've got nothing going on. Or well, you might literally feel the opposite end. And I feel just in my spirit, just then there are people who feel so weighed down with what's going on. And so, so much has happened. And you're feeling drained, not just by the heaviness of the harvest, but just the heaviness of your heart. And there's just there's an overloadedness. And I want to pray today for every person in the room that feels either barren or overloaded. You're either dry or you're drowning. And both extremes. We need God. Let's stand to our feet. Can we stand to our feet all across this auditorium? And uh, the amazing team—we're going to come join us in a moment. But, but I want you to realize that there is a truth of God's word that declares, "My grace is sufficient for you." See, if, if, you, if you've got the space, come out tonight. And I've got—I've got a word I want to share that I think is going to take us a step further. But I—I—I I, I want to right in this moment, declare right now over you. The greatest thing you can display is humility and vulnerability and say father i i need you and and whether you feel barren because there's no fish or you feel overloaded because there's too many fish there's a dependency that god is looking for right now if that's you just slip your hand up right all over this auditorium and you just need the grace of god to fall on you yeah their hands literally going up everywhere and that's okay we're all in this together we're all in this together see the beauty about it the heavy load is that Others came alongside and every other disciple, every other disciple, every other disciple grabbed a piece of the net. But God, I'm just asking right now, come on, if you've got that heavenly language, you can use it. If you you just know you need the grace of God, I encourage you as your hands are raised, receive now the grace of God that is promised for you, that is sufficient for you. Father, we thank You that You'd release right now into every home, into every heart, into every circumstance, into every situation, the grace that is commensurate with the challenge ahead. Lord, if they need more, give them more. If they need more grace, give them more grace. God, we thank You for strength in the other disciples that surround them to drag this thing home, to bring this thing alone, but to bring this thing together. Lord, we thank You that there is grace that even now settles on the hearts of those. I come against confusion now. I come against confusion in the minds of those. There are people here I see you've got, it's like you're you're muddied. It's not that you're busy, but you feel uh, clustered. Your mind is is, is all over. I don't know who that is today, but God, we thank you for the release of your peace and your grace right now every hand that is raised, let it become a lightning rod for your grace. And I thank you that, Lord, you would right now minister life, miracles. This is a house of miracles. Dead men live again. I thank you, God, that the cry of your people would release right now the grace we need. Lord, enlarge this house. Enlarge this capacity. Build this net to the point where it is beyond our ability to pray prayers big enough. God, I thank you. You are building a net that doesn't just touch Thailand, but touches the hubs of the world, that touches the cities of the world. I thank you. You are raising up an army from a group of patients that look for help. But God, this is an army ready to be mobilised, an army ready to move. And before I hand over, I just want to, I want to, I want to do this because I'll take a liberty that might not be there for someone else only because I know your pastor's heart. This is not about us becoming kumbaya Christians. This is about us being connected to strengthen one another. Let, the, let those of us who are weak yield and let someone else carry us. But this thing will know no lid or limit if we walk together not leaven fishing rods by itself but a divine net that God is knitting together that is weaving together with diverse graces ethnicities skills backgrounds but don't say I don't have what it takes you are graced by God and you are called for such a time as this don't listen to the vision and say that's for another this is for you it's for your household it's for all that concerns you and so here's what I'm gonna ask you to do maybe you know the person next to you maybe you don't you don't have to feel awkward but if you're comfortable with it can you just put your hand on their shoulder or whatever's appropriate because this is not hundreds of individuals this is one giant net that the Lord is knitting together. See, everyone in this room cannot know everyone, but everyone can know someone. Everyone can be connected at some level. Father, I thank You, one puts a thousand, but two puts 10,000. I thank You, You have stirred this, You're building this, You're brewing this, You're constructing this, You are awakening, You are the architect, You're the author, You're the finisher, You're the beginning, You're the end. And God, You're knitting together through those on our left and right, God, a web, a, a, a net, a strong place that can carry a greater miracle than we've ever known or seen before. Can you take a minute just to pray for the person on your left and right? Yeah, come on, lift your voice and just begin to pray for them. Just pray blessing on them, pray strength on them. Pray that God would connect them stronger and show them their ability to carry, to contribute. They're not just an other disciple, they are a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the person you're praying for doesn't know God, today's a good day. Today's a good day. Today's a good day. That God, we would go a step further in this. Come on, pray amazing grace on them.
0: Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour.